What's weirder, having a crush on a, a dead person or being an animal in love with a swimming person? <laughs> this is so hard! One, two, three! Gangsters, what's up, guys? Have you ever seen anything like this before? You ready? The Weekly Exchange! Now, you and I are really excited about this next album to come out, Alt-J Relaxer, and been talking about it a lot on Case Life. Their third album, also their shortest album to date, is now out for you to take a listen to, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about Alt-J's third album on the scene. <laughs> Because Alt-J is like nothing else we play here at Case Like. Just so weird and disjointed, but in a way that piques our interest. And we get this weird feeling. We look around and we don't want people to know that we want more. More is better than less because if stuff is not less, if there's more less stuff, then you might, you might want to have some more and your parents just don't let you. I think that they become a commercial success is, like Consequence of Sound said, sort of an anomaly. Also, they have an obsession with triangles. Triangles are my favorite shape. Three points where two lines meet. They like their three sides a lot, and there's three of them. And then, of course, if you do type in Alt J on a Mac or something like that, it actually makes a triangle. Like oh, a delta. yeah, one of the keystrokes. Yes, that's where they get their name from. I mean, I feel like they have like a cult somewhere. <clears throat> Not even. Both took a listen to it, and uh, how are you feeling about Alt J's new album, Relaxer? Painful, slow, dramatic. This album, I feel like they might have thrown in their heavy hitters at the beginning of the album. Got that really like strange, somber cover of House of the Rising Sun, but then the rest of it is just weird and sad and slow, or it's disjointed and dramatic. You didn't know what you were getting yourself into as you listened to it. A lot of bands care about the order of their tracks. They want it to flow in your ears like a fine ear wine. Yeah, yeah. But I think Alt-J was just like, we're gonna put this track here, this track here, maybe slap some of that in here. soundtrack. What you'll hear in this review is that a lot of these songs should end up on movies. Like one song in particular would be a great ending song where the credits are rolling. After your heart is completely smashed on the floor, then they throw this song on there. It would be perfect. It's very thematic in terms of musical orchestration and how they've composed these giant compositions of orchestra and then beautiful acoustic guitar. It's a lot to digest here. Let's dive right into the first track, which is 3WW, which have you even figured out what 3WW is? First of all, when they released this song on YouTube, they used 3WW in binary code as its title. So people just thought, oh, Alt-J's being weird again. WW, according to an NPR interview that they did with the band on a track by track, it traces the adventures of a wayward lad during a night on England's northeast coast, culminating in the whispering of three worn words. Only three worn words, all that we whisper, like the rocking hands of tourists in 
it's weird because the music video is about a man taking his just recently dead bride through the Mexican wilderness. That's what was strange to me as well. The song is about an English youth. They went a completely different direction with the music video, but it still fits very beautifully. It is a song that makes you think of the travels, but gosh damn, the intro is so long. Are we there yet? This song, it took me a while to like it, and it took me a while to warm up to it, but eventually it feels like a toasty, weird cup of cocoa with a very generous helping of Ellie Rosell from Wolf Alice. Girls from a place they loves this track. I don't mind the long introduction as much because to me it's like that beautiful guitar ballad just gets you into the mood like kind of like a yoga class like you take a couple deep breaths into this very interesting song disjunct in the middle and then yeah you've got Ellie Rossell's vocals lending a hand to the ending of the song but you definitely feel there's some theme about love and romance and loss. Definitely one of my recommendations. I just want to love you This is just the beginning of fun facts that are rampant throughout this album. The band did a lot of work regarding historical references, regarding literary references. The three worn words chorus refers to the statue of Shakespeare's Juliet in the Casa de Julieta in Verona, which is damaged by excessive rubbing by the hands of visitors eager for good luck. Because they talk about like weary hands rubbing and things like that. They went all out as far as providing people with not only information, but also inspiration for that information as well. So were the three worn words, I love you, is that what they're referring to? I think that's what it is. I think the three worn words are, I love you. You go from this very calm, meditative track right into the second song, which is another song we're spinning on K-Slug, In Cold Blood. when it drops into that crazy horn section, everyone's just like, yeah! This was a love at first listen for me. If you know me, you know I love dramatic music and my drama cup runneth over. This track. <laughs> I've never seen your drama cup, true fact. Oh, it's full. <laughs> loud. It's ominous. The song is powerful. The title is actually inspired by a Truman Capote book. Yep. I mean, I thought he was a, a very nice gentleman. And I thought so right up to us slit his throat. And this song goes all the way back to when these guys were students together at Leeds. That is how long they've been waiting to put this on here. And the brass section of it was actually recorded at Abbey Road Studio. They were really stoked on that. You and I had quite a few misheard 
lyrics in this song. Oh my god. I like yours the best if you wanna if you wanna proceed with your misheard lyric and I'll do mine. I still think they're saying poo-poo killer. <laughs> Like, they obviously are saying, I don't know what it, the actual lyrics are, but when they go, poo poo, kill up, poo poo, kill up, I'm like, they kill your poo poo. So, I misheard a lyric as Olive Butt Crack. Ooh. Yeah. All above crowd. The lyric is actually all above crowd. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> Olive Butt Crack, so <gasps> out a lyric does not make. I digress. My favorite song on the album, Olive Butt Crack, all the way. Track number three is a cover of House of the Rising Sun. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. And when you first start listening to it, it starts out as like a sad sailor jam. Then you start listening, you're like, wait, is this House of the Rising Sun? And I guess what was going on with it is besides being really sad, apparently they digressed from the original lyrics of House of the Rising Sun and instead focused on the character's alcoholic father, which I was like, whoa! Like license was taken with this cover of House of the Rising Sun, a very popular song for people to cover, the most popular version done by the animals. There is a house in New Orleans, they call the rising sun. I always do a listen first and then a lyric listen, and when I was listening, I was like, did they change something? And I tried to listen out for familiar lyrics, and sure enough, there's a little bit of skewing to it, but I was very surprised. But not one of my popular tracks on the album. I think I'm just a little biased because I love House of the Rising Sun. Number four. Hit me like that snare. Which, by the way, sounds really hot. I'm at the door at a quarter to four. Papa's popping, baby, my take some more. Loose your gorgeous, I don't care. Come closer, baby, slap me like that snare. Hit me like a snare, baby, but it's not as hot as the beginning of the song, which, if you listen to it, you can tell that someone is quite enjoying themselves. The song is rife with loudness, a gritty feel to it, na-na-nas, and orgasmy noises. I would say that the beginning starts with a dirgy orgasm. <laughs> dirgy orgasm! You know, I was like, okay, this is some sort of weird rockabilly fusion, and it kind of started off with elements of retro that we've been seeing from stuff like Cage the Elephant and other bands on the scene. Kind of reminded me of, like, Monster Mash, and then all of a sudden, Hit Me Like That Snare just evolves into na-na-nas, weird screaming. Hey, 
nonsense. So nuts. So number one, they dropped a shout out to Radiohead. A Moonshake Pool, the title of Radiohead's last album, makes an appearance in the lyrics. Second, before I looked at the lyrics, all I could think about is that Alt-J had some like strange night at a rambunctious sex club <sighs> with wizards and magic and leather straps falling from the ceiling like oxygen masks. That is a lyric, by the way. In an interview with NPR, the band said that it's supposed to be a carefree track that takes place in a imaginary sex hotel. Air quotes used very strongly. Welcome to Club Vondersex, Amsterdam's most erotic club, where your every fantasy will be fulfilled. Also says I get a free t-shirt with flyer. I don't know if it's so imaginary. I think um, they're just saying that to cover their butts. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. But I can't believe you even got anything from the song in terms of like references because the whole time I was like, what the f am I listening to? I feel like Radiohead's Moonshape Pool is not what you want playing in a sex hotel. No. Just say it. Moving on to another track, one of my favorites besides Inkle Blood and 3WW was Dead Crush. Crushing on dead people sounds like a completely normal sentence. <laughs> it's about two famous but dead people that two of the members of All J have crushes on. The premise of the song, you know, I like it. It's not the first time it's been done, but it's usually something you find that older generational artists will do, like reminiscing about the musicians or sports people of their era that they really, really loved. But Anne Boleyn is Gus Unger's crush, Henry VIII's second wife. Lee Miller was American photographer, and uh, that is Joe Newman's dead crush. My jaw is just dropping. <laughs> I told you this album, the premise of a lot of songs on this album is so strange. But this is still a good song to get down to and twerk. Twerk it, 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 twerk it. I think it's a really good song. I like that we premiered it as a wild card pick. I do dig it. I feel like it would be a good addition to Case Love. Sabina, what are your thoughts about Adeline? Oh my god! <laughs> She's ripping paper! I gotta be fair. So I'm gonna talk about the premise last because when you listen to this song, if you need your nerves to calm, if you are so fuzzy in the head, if the day is overwhelming, the composition, the music, it is incredible. It's beautiful. You can feel the sadness. You hear it in their vocals. This musically is a great song. Lyrically, a beautiful song. So 
there's something else going on here that's uh, got you thinking. From the mouth of the band, this song was written on the road while they were touring their second album. It's about a Tasmanian devil, the animal, that falls in love with a woman he watches swimming every day. Huh. And he knows that he will never have her because he is an animal that eats its prey butt first and she is a human. I am flabbergasted. <laughs> I know. I am a out loud when I read the NPR article. And then my problem was is that I got so distracted by the premise of the song, I couldn't fully appreciate it the first couple times. So I had to just sit there and like empty my head of what I had just read and listen to the song stand alone. And it is beautiful. Swim, swim on, swim on, swim on. The whole Tasmanian nonsense. <laughs> and looking at this in a purely music perspective, what captivated me was the meditative orchestrations. Sad but incredibly beautiful. This is the song I think should be the ending song of a sad movie with title credits where like the main character's love dies. A couple years back, I was at a youth praise concert at church. I saw the most handsome man that I had ever seen in the world. We went on a date and then we fell very, 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 very deeply in love. And then he died. At his funeral, I was very, very distraught. And I saw this other man, a distant cousin of the deceased. In any case, we got to talking afterwards and I thought, well, that one's dead. This one's alive. And then it cuts to the end. Then you throw Adeline by Alt-J on. And then they throw in some references about triangles. It's classic Alt-J mic drop. Boom. Adeline, yup. Track number seven is last year. into this track. This song, it details month by month the depression of an individual eventually leading to their suicide. It's a song within a song. Alt-J got their friend Marika Hackman to perform a refrain that was basically uh, supposed to be the song performed at the dead person's funeral. If it's stones for your pockets, I've collected a few Gus Unger Hamilton, he's the singer and keyboardist of Alt-J. He said it was the last song added to the album. Joe Newman, the lead singer, loved the song, but had some severe reservations about sharing it with the world because he found it to be so sad and depressing. This one will move you to tears. It is just a month by month watching someone's life spiral out of control until they take their own life and then you're propelled to someone singing casket side at their funeral. Oh, 
I did catch the diazepam reference, which is a drug you use for people that are severely depressed. It does read out kind of like a suicide journal, mm -hmm. battling between life and giving up. And the vocals provided by Marika Huckman are absolutely goosebump raising. My hair was raising up on my arms. I was like, she's got a great voice. Yeah. Thematic, soundtrack-ish as well. Which leads us to, speaking of soundtracks, the last song on the album, Pleader. glad that they closed out with this song. This album, as far as I think, was not Alt-J's strongest effort, but they ended strongly. The last track on the album, Pleader, it's based on Richard Ewan's book, How Green Was My Valley, which is about a small mining community in the 19th century Wales. And the song takes the form of a hymn. But before it does that, it starts off all like Halloween-y. Like you said, it sounded like it belonged in a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. It sounds like something out of American Horror Story. It's, it starts really slow and creepy. <sighs> And then it just like bursts with musical flavor. And the slow, creepy buildup is worth the wait. And then it changes again and becomes ominous and scary. that there was a sort of church choir element Yeah, too. They actually recorded the boys' choir and organ element there at Ellie Cathedral in Cambridgeshire, so they traveled all over the place for this album. for the song because I was disappointed in the album up until this point. The last song, Bear Warning, it is disjointed, but it is enjoyable. It's very disjunct. They go from being in a minor key to a major key back to a minor key, which kind of reminds me of like Meg Meyer's track Desire. Yes. some flute that I would hear in the Shire in there. I'm like, where did this flute come from, Lord of the Rings? And then they've got a choir at the end, and I'm just like, I'm speechless. It's like maybe they recorded the song last, and they're like, all right, boys, pull out everything. You know what it reminds me of? Like that parody video of like those people making fun of all Jay and their song, oh my Put It God. In My Butt. Do you remember that one? Can we just play a quick track of I think we should. this parody Boom. video? This isn't all Jay. This is somebody else making fun of all Jay. This is how all Jay makes music. Then they sit there and they're like eating rice cakes. I know. Gosh, all Jay. Final prognosis. Okay, so this is a cherry pick album. There are definitely some tracks that I'm not interested in listening to ever again. And there are a couple that I would like to add permanently to my library. You know what? I'm gonna go ahead. If we could do like one and a half dings, if that was possible out of three, I don't know how that's physically possible with a bell. Look, I'll make dings happen right now, but... Ah!
You didn't think I had that power. Oh, you? you got the power to ding. Ding, 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 ding. So I would say in terms of songs to download, 3WW, In Cold Blood, mm. Dead Crush, mm. and also Adeline. Yes. Pleader if you're feeling weird and nasty. So much could be said in that statement. <laughs> That's another episode of the Weekly Exchange. You can catch the Weekly Exchange house, Sabina. You can find the Weekly Exchange on kslg.com right at the source. You can find it on lostcoastoutpost.com. They stream it for us. And also, we're legit, so we're on iTunes. You can download the podcast for free. Just search Weekly Exchange. Well, this is the part of the show where we thank the amazing people that make this possible. So our sponsor, Companion Animal Foundation, is doing a calendar to fundraise for their mobile veterinarian clinic. Pledges of $20 will lock in your ownership of the very first edition of next year's calendar called Cats and Casanovas. And it's exactly what you think. Cute dudes and rescued cats. Take a look at this over at kickstarter.com and search Cats and Casanovas for our sponsor, Companion Animal Foundation. Also, a big thank you to Myrtle Avenue Pet Center, where they provide boarding and doggy daycare. They've got orthopedic beds for your pet's comfort. They've also got full service grooming salon. They also offer walk-ins for pedicures, ear flush, ear plucking, and all the little things that your furry little loved one needs. Thanks again to Luis's Gourmet Season Finishing Salts. If you're looking to spice up some of your favorite meals or trying something new, you've got to check out her delicious Season Finishing Salts. Luis's Gourmet Season Finishing Salts on Facebook and with Farmer's Market Season in full swing. You can check her out this Thursday from 10 to 1 at the Henderson Center Farmer's Market. You can also check her out at the Old Town Eureka Farmer's Market. It happens every Tuesday from 10 to 1 on F Street between 1st and 2nd near the gazebo. For inspirations in your dinners, pick up Luis's Gourmet Season Finishing Salts. And of course, a huge thank you to Fungi Lighting as our sponsor, Cyrus over at Fungi Lighting. He creates things that would look great on your desk and also great maybe on a necklace as well. Let's get out of here. I'm so We're out! Ah! This has been a Case Log Original Production.